It's time again for Scary Gary. You love to do that. I love it now. That's my thing now. <laughs> it's the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. And some things not. I mean, it just depends. But It depends on how we're feeling. Yeah, but you know what? It's horror. We love horror. Horror, horror, horror. Horror, monsters, slashers. Ghosts, ghosts, goblins, goblins, ghoulies, Satan. Hell yeah. And of course, Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk, my dear loving co-host. And my my pod husband, Randy Joe, the flame and scream queen Planbeck himself. Do you know, Jeremy, where the term podcast comes from? I actually don't. I do, just sort of. <laughs> like, I didn't like look up, but I remember hearing it recently. It, I think it was on like the weakest link or something like that. But it comes from because there used to be podcasts on an iPod. Oh. Like, that's so the pod in podcast is an it means iPod. iPod. Yeah, I think I knew that at one point. Well, you forgot it. And now you know it. I forgot again. it. And now I relearned it. Thank you for, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's kind of crazy though. Yeah, how that, of, how that nomenclature has remained, even though the iPod is an ob- obsolete piece of technology. Oh my God, did you have an iPod? I did. I loved the shit out of it. Oh, I, mine, me too. It's, mine's still around here somewhere. I've held on to it uh, and my hard drive with like all the music for it because I oh have my like, God. I've got a ton of shit that's like not on, you know, Spotify and not on streaming services of weird like metal and punk and stuff that's, you know, and it I didn't even have like a light up screen at first, right? It was just sort of that gray greenish. Yeah, just that green? gray green. Oh my God, yeah. you know, that wheel and there was yep. that like clicking and the turning of the wheel. Yep. It was so cool. Yeah, my first one was an iPod mini. Uh, okay, and, yeah. And, and the one I had too for a brief period, uh, iPod, they had, Apple did like a co thing with HP. So, like, you know, the computer company, yeah. Hewlett Packard. So, like, I had an iPod, it had branding of Apple, but also HP on it. Weird. Yeah. Cause HP did like, it was like metal. It was like the solid metal thing. Yeah. Uh, it was it was cool. It lasted me a long ass time. Yeah, I think Joe had an iPod Mini, and I think it was green. Didn't they have like regular old iPod pods that were red, and they were like the U two variety? And that was that time that they put U yes. two's album yeah. on like everything. But yes, I think yes. that was before an iPhone. I may be remembering that wrong, but I think it was a red iPod. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, the iPods! Mine was so thick. I remember that it was a fat one. Because it had mm-hmm. a lot of memory. But oh my God. Because prior to that, I did have like an MP3 player. I remember my mom got it for me when I was in college. So this must have been like 99, 2000. And you could only put so many songs on it. I mean, of course, you can only put so many songs on any of them. But it was like 30 songs or something. Like it was just like, mm-hmm. it was not many at all. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when the iPod came out, it was like game changer. Yeah. And then, 
Yeah, I guess because I need I had them forever, man. I was so into music. I needed an iPod. So like I remember when like my mini broke, I had to get a new one. So I bought this like I think a refurbished one at like an Apple store because I was just like, I, I got to have it. It's a necessary accessory to me because I have so much music. I was always listening to music. So. Well, thank you, iPod, for giving us the gift of why we're here today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it was a lot better than just walking around, you know, with my disc man and like a CD booklet. Of, oh, like, my CDs. God. I know. I ha- still have a couple of those like giant yep. books with all the, the different sleeves in it. I was a mixed CD junkie, but I wouldn't take care of them. So they would get just scratched to fuck. Oh, but God. I still hold that, have them, you know? Yeah, I killed some CDs too, to the point where like, I think I still probably have them like around because I still have my CDs. They're in a big box in the garage right now, but I still have my CDs. And some of them are like, I think if you put it in, it just like doesn't even play or read the disc anymore because I killed it somehow. I wonder what the first horror uh podcast was and i wonder if it's still around to this day oh whoa whoa <laughs> whoa dude we're gonna have to look that up <laughs> so if you've never listened to us before as we mentioned we talk about everything and anything and then we talk about either a movie that we share with one another that the other person's not seen or a brand new release and we just t- both experience it for the first time and let the world share that scare with us and the world's mm-hmm. i mean a particular director and production team yeah, essentially. A, a studio. A studio thing. Lionsgate, if you a will, s- in s- this studio. case. Studio. Yeah, a s- 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 studio. I can't believe Lionsgate is still around. Like, Me too. Actually, I, when we saw that uh, branding today, in fact, I was like, oh, wait a minute, Lionsgate? They st- I thought they had to no. like sell everything off because I knew they were doing badly like not that long ago. So. so I learned two interesting things this week, Jeremy. I hmm. learned that Michael Landon's son, <laughs> although I say that and now I don't know his name, mm. but you know who Michael Landon is? Mm-mm. You don't? Oh, my God. I'm looking it up. He was Pa in Little House on the Prairie. Oh, I do know who that is. But his son is Christopher Landon, who directed Happy Death Day and Freaky. Whoa, And I cool. didn't know that, but Michael Landon was like every mm-hmm. dad. Yeah. Oh my God. He And he was just so beautiful, such a dreamboat. But like, I mean, I remember him from Little House on the Prairie because he was Pa and I used to watch that. I think I've talked about it before. Like every day before school started, I would watch it, but it would like at 7.45, our bus would come. And so I would watch it until 7.45. So I never knew how any episode <laughs> ended because <laughs> it would start at like 7.05 on TBS. And then you had to that. go to school. But the interesting thing is, so apparently Michael Landon really loved horror and somehow, and that, not somehow, but that translated to his son, Christopher, who has done some of these like very popular sort of refurbished horror mm-hmm. versions of like popular like 80s movies or whatever, mm-hmm. not even necessarily 80s, but yeah, 80s in a way. Um, but there is this episode of Little House on the Prairie, which for the most part is just Wholesome as all get out. You have Laura Ingalls Wilder running out around in her little pigtails. I mean, it goes to some dark places, but like some of them are like realistically what happened to Laura Ingalls Wilder, who was a real person. Mm-hmm. Like her sister wakes up blind at one point. Poor Mary. She just has like the worst, the worst luck ever. Um, but and there's definitely because it's, you know, way back in covered wagon time, like there, mm-hmm. there's horrible things that happen. But there is this episode of Little House on the Prairie called Sylvia, and it has a masked person 
who rapes and like beats this girl. And I've it's heard like of horrifying. this episode. I've yes. heard of this episode. Yeah. And like a creepy mask. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch. I've seen it before, but it's been a long time and I'm going to Joe and I are going to watch it. But because I know yet. I know it's legendary for being like in the overall of uh, Little House of the Prairie episodes. Like it is the ugly duckling because it does not fit like the tone of like anything else that really like ever happened on the show. So fucking creepy. I can't wait to rewatch it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to before we recorded, but I didn't. So I'm still bringing it up. So if Excellent. people out there have watched it, I want to know your thoughts because I'm going to watch it by the next time we record. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I watched Yellow Jacket season two this week, which I loved. Most people are like more fans of the first season. I'm I'm a second season stan myself. Mm. I'm a, I was a big, big fan. I watched it all in like three days. I loved it. But I didn't know Elijah Wood was on this season. Oh, whoa. Cool. Oh, my God. And he's so good. It's so fun because he sort of has an interesting relationship with Christina Ricci. No spoilers. But Melanie Linsky is also in it. And because oh. of I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, yeah. it's a similar sort of weird relationship okay. um, in there. And it's awesome. And then Laura Ambrose is on and she's so good. And the music, I mean, because it flashes back and forth between the 90s and today, there's lots of 90s music, which is my jam. Like I was a child in the 80s, but like I came into my own in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So there's like Tori Amos Bells for her plays, which is just like such a perfect moment when it does. And also Lightning Crashes, which was so fucking good. Like that is a pivotal song from my high school days for sure. Mm-hmm. And it works. So the music is so great, but it just does some really fucked up things. And I just had a blast with it. Yeah, it's you like gotta in, watch that. I got to check it out. I was going to say, though, it's kind of like with beef. Uh, they used a bunch of really angsty, like early 2000s rock. Mm. And like that hit me really hard because I'm like, this is exactly what I was listening to in high school. So they like soundtracked that whole show with that. So. So what do you know this week of horror news or what did you view? What did I view? Um, the only thing of note, and it's fun because it's like the one horror franchise my wife and I can share. Uh, but somehow we were talking about the Purge movies again because we both enjoy those. Uh, and so we we rewatched the Forever Purge on HBO, the most recent one, because we were like, for some, we were trying to remember the plot. It started with us just trying to remember, like, what happened in that one again? Blah, blah, and we're like, let's just watch it. It's on HBO. So we watched that again. Is that uh, the one with the island? Or no, that's the first Purge. No, uh, Forever Purge is the most recent one where it's like commentary on the U.S.-Mexico border uh, is okay. what they were leaning into with that one. So uh, some trying to get some topical stuff in there. But I mean, I mean, they usually do. Yeah, if you if you like any purge movie you like them all i think because they're all really just the same thing over and over so they're they're cheesy fun i don't know that i agree with that because i don't like the the initial purge the very okay well most people yeah that that's the that's the odd duck out i think like if you if you like all the other sequels generally they're all kind of like yeah they all do the same thing and i enjoy rewatching those but the first one is still yeah the weakest cuz i think it was like we have an idea but we have no money to make it like really well so like let's just get this out uh and then it was a hit and they're like okay now we can 
get some budgets behind these yeah, things. Isn't like the third one the best? Uh, some say the third, some say the second. Yeah, I remember both of those being good. And I'm kind of like back and forth. And that ties into my news. They're making another Purge movie. Um, and they're planning on bringing back Frank Grillo. He was the lead, like the hero, if you will, of two and three. So he's okay. kind of a fan favorite character. So they're supposed to be bringing him back. Okay. I'm yeah. living for it. Yeah, it's. I'll, I'll check that out. That sounds fun. And what were your thoughts on the Purge, the Forever Purge? The Did Forever you like Purge? It? Yeah, I think I gave it a three on Letterboxd. So, okay. you know, I th- I think it's, I, I saw a lot of people a little less into it, but I'm kind of like, I don't know, it does what I want from these movies. Um, I was there with the characters, you know, it, it they're heavy handed, <laughs> ham fisted at times, but whatever. Did you uh, watch a TV show? I never watched the TV show. That's the missing piece for me. I've never watched I the show. I started it. And I yeah. just remember only making a couple episodes. And... Yeah, I heard okay things about it. Like it wasn't, I think people expected it to be horrible, but it was actually a little better than that. But I don't think it was like must-see TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what I put together about it. Mm-hmm, so I need, mm-hmm. I need to check that out. But yeah, it, it's funny because, you know, me loving horror and then my wife is really into specifically disaster movies and like survivalist movies are like one of her favorite niches so the purge kind of encompasses all of those so is the one on the island the first purge on the island isn't don't they like take a bunch of like in particular like minorities the first purge oh yes the first purge sorry don't they that's, put them that's on what the island? title of the movie is i'm yeah. getting confused yeah the first purge it's like manhattan or whatever or long island you know it's in new york so oh okay so it is an island but it's like it's like staten island or long island i can't remember okay. uh that they shut down they like barricade it and shut down and see what happens as the experiment first purge was pretty good too i like i like i thought that one that one was uh doing some interesting things yeah, because I think there's always some commentary in there, which I appreciate yes. over something like Saw, where yeah. it's just like, you know, usually it's like these horrible people who are forced to make a horrible decision or else die and yeah. find salvation by having to whatever. I It's normally just stupid, but I watch them for like the crazy kills. Yeah. And I, I like too that like like the first Purge is was directed by a black director uh, and like its main commentary is about race uh you know issues so it's like okay cool and then the forever purge uh was a latinx director i believe and it's got this commentary on like mexican american and american relations and it's like okay cool i like that they're doing that with like getting these directors and getting to tell these stories within this universe they're making yeah that is really really cool i dig that mm-hmm and I've been thinking about that because I listened to my friend, um, Jamie has a new podcast, he and his friend Joey, and it's called Only Slightly Opinionated. Check it out wherever mm. you podcast. I don't think it's on Apple right now, but it's definitely on like Spotify and Google. But they talk about the color purple this week on their uh, their premiere episode. And I thought, oh my God, Steven Spielberg directed that. And I mean, yes. it's like both of their like favorite movies of all time. People love that movie. I haven't seen it in like two decades, so I mm-hmm. honestly don't remember. And I should go back and watch it but i'm just like oh my god a white man directed the color purple yeah 
And just like I, that would never happen in this day and age, and rightfully so. Like, yeah, it, rightfully so. There should be that representation, which I mean, we'll get to a little later in mm-hmm. regards to the movie we watched this week. Uh, but, but yes, I think that it's important when telling a story that's very specific to a particular lens. Yeah, that, that you have someone at the helm who and has some tru- experience. Yes, with that. who yeah, can truly. understand it. But yeah. I mean, then you g- talk about the color purple um, and, and, you know, people do really love that movie. And it was from what I know of the book, like very faithful. And, you know, there were certain aspects like the lesbian storyline and whatnot that just because it was made in the eighties weren't like a, a really a strong point in it. But I, you know, I just, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But shout out to them. Please go check it out. Only slightly opinionated with Jamie and Joey. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's read some horror some let's read some terror grounds. I've been listening to it's only a podcast. I almost said their thing. You almost ripped them off. <laughs> we're, we're sorry, guys. We love you. We do. We love you. We're sorry, Christian. Ian doesn't listen to us, but Christian. Oh, Christian, you. Christian, you listen. And uh imitate imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. That's so. true. It's true. Um, I'll start us off. So we have one from good old friend teacher Drew, who writes. Good morning, guys. Loved the latest episode. Thanks for showing love to Hellbent. I think it is severely underrated. I appreciate the trauma recommendations. After looking through your suggestions, the English professor and me won out, so I watched Tromeo and Juliet. What a crazy, insanely wild ride. I was surprised that they emphasized thematic elements filmmakers usually don't catch, like Juliet's father being so exceedingly abusive. Next up, The Toxic Avenger. Exciting news. A local upscale movie theater is doing a summer cinematary series, and they just announced screenings of the original Nightmare on Elm Street complete with surprise special guests. Count me in. I was telling a new running buddy about your podcast and the format you do. He is a horror movie virgin, and he suggested that when we run, we should give each other a movie to watch. He is giving me foreign films, and I'm giving him horror. I get the notion that elevated horror will appeal to him more. So, help! That's not my aesthetic at all. Remember the utter disdain I have for Midsommar? Any ideas? Well, that's enough for now. So till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you, Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew. We love you. Cinematary. I wonder if that's like showing movies in a cemetery. That'd be cool. I bet it is. They do that in, uh, you know, in uh, Hollywood at, uh, what is it? Hollywood Forever Cemetery. They do movie screenings there in the summer. So that is so cool. And even if it is just a a movie theater showing like Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Because I know we've talked about the the good old main art before that R.I.P. and Royal Oak. Yeah, R.I.P. And yeah, I saw Suspiria there um, Mm -hmm. at a midnight movie. And I just I think I was too stoned and. It was so late and I was just tired. I just remember yawning. Oh, I, I saw, should have appreciated it. I saw a video drum there uh, before, like towards the end of the life of that theater. And that was fun because I was in a theater full of people that I was very sure had never seen video drum before. So they were reacting very like physically and viscerally yeah. to the, the weirdness of that movie. So I was like, cool. Okay. This is awesome. And yeah, okay, so elevated horror. I mean, the classics like referenced in Scream 5, mm-hmm. The Babadook, Hereditary, Midsommar, mm-hmm. and It Follows. I would say those are, in my opinion, the four best elevated horror movies. Yeah, and 
I would say too that you can even go back to some of the the classic like I would say the original The Exorcist which I know teacher Drew that's like his favorite movie uh and if hope maybe your buddy's never seen The Exorcist try that because that's like the granddaddy of elevated horror like you know it's a legit prestige Hollywood movie but it's also a horror movie like oh and I also for failed to say The Witch because of course The Witch is classic contemporary elevated horror but like you're saying I mean to go back to the classics and like the classics like to me the classics not like necessarily like the 30s and 40s and all that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, like yes the shining which i know teacher drew is not a big fan of but yeah. the shining the exorcist texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. original halloween original halloween black christmas maybe wait yeah. until christmas time but yeah uh, it's a fucking classic yeah some of that and stuff the thing Yes, John Carpenter's the thing. And I just said his name, David Cronenberg. Like any of Cronenberg's early horror movies, I would say that those are like, if you like elevated horror, you're probably going to like that stuff. So, mm-hmm. And not probably, I mean, if it's a, a newbie to horror, maybe not doing things like, and I haven't even seen it, but like Chronos seems like really weird. Even The Brood is a little mm-hmm. too weird, I think, yeah. for like someone just getting started. Yeah, uh, and but, Videodrome is, but I think there's enough commentary there, yeah, like that's th- that you can like dig into it if you're sort of of that mindset. Yeah, you know, maybe even some uh, some David Lynch movies, like Eraserhead mm-hmm. or something like that, where oh, it is it's like no. elevated, I, but I don't wanna. <laughs> but it's weird, <laughs> so you know, and it's kind of like horror, or like it's not truly horror, but it's a Jace, so. like Mulholland Drive with that amazing jump scare. Yeah, Mulholland Drive for sure, the Garbage Witch or whatever they're called. Yeah, or um, uh, Lost Highway. That's, I've never seen it. That seems it, that one's not crazy. Good. I mean, not not good, but it just seems a little it's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Twin Peaks movie. That's another one that's like Firewalk with me. You got to watch the series. Yeah, you got to watch the series. Even though it's a prequel. Even though it's a prequel, but also a sequel. Uh Uh-huh. Because it has elements of a sequel. I don't think I've ever made it all the way through, quite honestly. I need to just have like a Twin Peaks moment. Mm. Watch the series. Watch all of Firewalk with me and then watch the new series. Oh, my God. Well, if you do that, I think we have to start a spinoff podcast where we watch (laughs) Twin Peaks together and talk about it. So... Yeah, that sounds fun. But Teacher Drew, so excited. Let us know what you think of Toxic Avenger. And I really want to see Tromeo and Juliet. Okay. Noted. Noted. (laughs) Throwing it on the list. All right. What do you got for us, Jeremy? Okay. And uh, also from our friend, Lauren the Goth Botanist. Yes, Uh, our elite friends of the podcast. Yeah, which is great that she starts off by saying, Teacher Drew is spot on with the iconic image of Cheryl in the basement. Chef's kiss. Another classic is when the twins are standing in the hallway in The Shining telling Danny to come play with them and it flashes to their dead bodies. And I have to interject here and say yes, because that like haunted my nightmares as a youngster, that scene specifically. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Lauren continues. Horror adjacent. I've been listening to MJ play Diablo 4 since Thursday 
evening, meaning I've been listening to him randomly yell strings of explicit language at his computer. I've got a ton of horror. It's It's got a ton of horror themes buried in it, and it's even been described as the following. Side questing in Diablo 4 is like playing an anthology horror movie. I asked him if this was true, and he said, oh, God, yes, I had to rip a woman's skin off. And another time, <laughs> and another time it was like, drown all these kids. Either of you playing or planning on playing? Okay, After, can you pause right there? What is side questing? Uh, side quests are like, uh, so in a video game, you'll have the main story where it's like, uh, I don't know, like if it's Legend of Zelda, it's like, Link, you've got to go kill Ganon. Okay, but on the way, you're going to meet characters that are like, go get these special arrows for me and you can break okay. from the... Okay. From the main story and like Diablo is one of those games that's just built on like running around doing random shit for okay <laughs> random characters and interactions you meet but uh I'm not playing it uh right now but based on those sentences about yeah <laughs> ripping skin off and drowning children it sounds like a fun game so yeah but no I I uh I remember I uh my buddies were really into like Diablo 2 uh so that's like many generations ago that's decades in the past so i know diablo's still around i heard diablo 3 was good maybe i need to check back in with this franchise anyway lauren continues i went off the deep end with sequels i chose the less quality options since i was repotting plants and doing chores the howling 2 your sister is a werewolf and alligator 2 the mutation the, the Howling 2 is buried so deep in 1985 that it can never be anything other than an orgy of spastic half-werewolves set to babble. That's the band. Okay. And the closing credits are so wild. Alligator 2, I remember this one from TV, probably Sci-Fi Channel. I forgot D. Wallace, and I didn't realize D. Wallace was in that. I forgot D. Wallace was in it as, once again, everyone's mom. Though she's also a scientist, <laughs> and they used her more as a scientist than wife or mom. Jeremy, did you see the trailer for Twisted Metal on Peacock? I know you mentioned it before. Samoa Joe and Will Arnett are sweet tooth. MJ kept asking, why am I getting Batman vibes? And it made sense once you realize Arnett was doing the voice. It's being advertised as a live action comedy, which I guess makes sense because anyone who played the game played it for fun and didn't take it seriously. I've seen They Slash Them, mainly because I grew up on Kevin Bacon. Tremors! I didn't hate it, but it definitely wasn't special. Critics accused the director of being unable to commit to either campy slasher the murderer or serious psychological thriller the con the conversion aspect itself and i'd have to agree i mean the guy did gladiator and the aviator not horror stuff i think ryan murphy ready or not would have been a great pick for directing someone younger with a better pulse on young people i will give it credit for not feeling exploitative of the campers i just kind of felt like it was playing it safe despite some of the horrible things that happened to them at the hands of the staff and that's all from Lauren this time. Thank you, Lauren. Oh my God, but fuck Ryan Murphy, okay? I'm a very, whatever the opposite of a Stan is, is how I am about Ryan Murphy. Yeah, he's an anti-Stan. He's an, I'm an anti-Stan with Ryan Murphy. Just, he's glossy and he just seems like such a fucking douchebag. Mm -hmm. It's just glossy douchebaggery, okay? okay? That's how I feel about him. <laughs> and 
to answer your question, I did see the Twisted Metal trailer. Uh, I am very excited uh, for that. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. I love those video games. They're just stupid. Uh, I know Brandy Joe probably has no idea. But... I know. I keep thinking of Heavy Metal, and I think we talked about this before. Yeah, that's the movie. That. Yeah, Twisted Metal was a video, video game, game where, like, yeah, you drove like su- it was a post-apocalyptic setting, and you had all these crazy kill- characters that drove around like souped-up cars with like machine guns and you know like Mad Max stuff, and you fought each other, like yeah, shooting at each other. Terrible. Uh, but the like. <laughs> the iconic character was Sweet Tooth, who was a killer clown, of course, and he drove an ice cream truck with like, oh, you know, oh, that's ringing a bell. Yeah, with like bombs in it and shit. Yeah, so, yeah, that's. And, and in the show, it's Samoa Joe, who's a pro wrestler. He's playing the uh, the physical Sweet Tooth, and Will Arnett is the voice. So that's so it's be... like live action yeah it's live, live action okay. yeah so it's gonna be cool um and then i do have to comment i've never seen alligator 2 i've seen the first alligator and i like the first alligator i think it's a pretty underrated like 80s uh monster movie uh but i've never seen alligator 2 i do love d wallace d wallace is one of those c- celebrities that i've realized recently that when she you know when the time comes and she has to leave us, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset on that one. I think that one's going to hit hard because D. Wallace is my movie mom. You know, she's played oh, so many moms yeah. in amazing movies. I'm like, I I love D. Wallace. But anyway, Howling 2 is insane. I cannot do justice to that. It's so bonkers. It's like, you know, you say it's so bad, it's good. It's definitely one of those. I don't know, but it's such a, bonkers movie um has like nothing to do with the first howling uh you have her names escaping me sybil danning as the werewolf queen and there's a scene where like of course she pops her top off because that's what she did in like so many movies she was in back then but that's what the end credits is just the scene of her taking her shirt off repeated over and over and oh over <laughs> as the credits play with like weird uh like it's it's like synchronized to the music that's playing it's crazy yeah sh- we're friends on facebook lauren and i and she tagged me <laughs> in a picture of the shutter screen showing howling to your sister's a werewolf and the description is amanda discovers that her sister was a werewolf <laughs> which is hilarious and lauren said when the movie's summary nails it <laughs> i love howling to your sister's a werewolf a man discovers that his sister was a werewolf yes <laughs> it's so good it's a movie honestly i've considered for the show in the future uh if i if i feel i haven't fully gone into the idea of forcing you to watch these uh the so bad they're good i mean we've dabbled in it but I've not given you the true classics of that genre, so. Yeah, yeah. We may get there one day. I'm saving it all for special occasions. (laughs) Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. Every time with you, though, is a special occasion. Oh, you're too kind. Well, thanks, Lauren. And anybody out there, if you want to write us, scaringasharing at gmail.com or follow us on Insta, scaringasharing, all one word. Do it. Yeah, do it. Do you have anything else to talk about, Jeremy? Uh, I did have to mention, because I I think I talked about this before. So anyway, over the past weekend, uh, Sarah and I went down to the farm to see my in-laws on a quick trip. And uh, our nephew 
explain to me more about his his imaginary friend Choppy. Did I talk oh, about Choppy, Choppy before? I think you did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I remember initially I was details about Choppy were vague. Uh, which originally all I knew is that he's a monster that lives in the sky. Uh, and I said, okay, what does he look like? Oh, he looks like a nice guy. Okay. Uh, and, that, and that's all I knew about Choppy. He's a monster that lives in the sky and he looks like a nice guy, but Ooh. still it's creepy. Yeah. But also he, he tells my, any, anytime uh, he gets in trouble or nephew gets in trouble for, uh doing something bad he says choppy told me to do it so oh, he's trying boy. to put the blame on choppy but anyway we were out to brunch uh and he mentioned choppy and i was like oh i, I want to know more about choppy i'm a big fan of choppy tell me more uh and i finally got a description of choppy uh as my mother-in-law tried to draw a picture <laughs> of it uh with the she was playing with uh, our nephew with crayons and stuff and uh on the menu uh, but so Chappie's description, here's like for the police sketch artist, is he's so big, he has to live in the sky. Okay. He's just so large, that's where he has to be. Uh, his head is very big and very, very round. Uh, he has the roundest, greenest eyes. Okay. And I'm emphasizing that's how I, it was explained to me, the roundest, greenest eyes you've ever seen. Uh, his, his smile is so big. And he has no teeth. Okay. And also he has 12 octopus tentacles. Oh my God. So I was just like, so he's like an eldritch horror from HP Lovecraft. Like, yeah, it sounds kind of like it. Is choppy. Like the stepson of Cthulhu. Like what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. That's choppy. So I actually got a description. So he's a giant monster with no teeth, green eyes and lots of tentacles. Oh my goodness. Yep. Okay. So, and I have to immortalize it here. You know, sorry, buddy, but <laughs> I love Choppy so much. I'm talking about him to everybody. Good old Choppy. Yeah, we made Choppy a character in my D&D campaign. So, oh, uh, okay. We didn't really have a description for him then, but now I do. So Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. The greenest eyes, the biggest toothless smile, and 12 tentacles. 12 tentacles. And he's so big, he has to live in the sky. Of course. Yeah. Oh, and also his favorite foods are hot sauce and jalapenos. Oh, well, I mean, yep. if you love one, you gotta love the yeah, other, I guess. He loves hot. He loves hot food, so. Okay. Yep. Well, welcome to the family, Choppy. Yep, Choppy. I, I think he's incredible. I just want to hear about Choppy all the time from my nephew, so. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm fairly certain it's not actually like a ghost or something he's talking to. You think? I think it's. I think this is his because <laughs> his, his imagination is wild. So um, maybe it's ghosts. I don't know. That'd be cool no. if I it mean, was an alien. But his yeah. imagination is wild. He's constantly making up stories and just you know he's at that perfect age where he's four going on five and now it's turning into just wild fun times every time he's around so that's a fun age yeah well shall we get to our film let's get to the film now i just had to talk up uh my nephews hopefully this transitions into a love of monsters that's lifelong because i'm there for that of course fuck yeah so let's get to it. So this week we uh we went and watched the blackening. The blackening. 
Yeah, I was just looking up because I know. Okay, great. Um, and it is directed by Tim's story of barbershop fame. And the Fantastic, and Fantastic Four, Four, movies. Four movies. Yeah, and oh. Shaft and Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's had a, a storied career. Sorry yes. for the pun. But... It um, came out in the year of our Lord, 2023. And the tagline is, we can't all die first. And the description on Letterboxd is a group of black friends reunite for a Juneteenth weekend getaway, only to find themselves trapped in a remote cabin with a twisted killer. Mm-hmm. We have a Juneteenth horror film, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, you know, we got the holiday. Now you got do them all. There needs to be, you know, <laughs> slashers for every holiday, I say. So that's, that's awesome. right. I didn't so, even Jeremy, realize what'd that. You think, what did you think of it? I had a lot of fun watching this i thought it was a cool like you know it's familiar because it's a cabin in the woods it's a cabin in the woods kind of a slasher but also a comedy and a parody of those things so it does a whole bunch of stuff uh in a in a fun way presented uh you know with a great ensemble um you know with a great great cast of characters uh on juneteenth on a holiday that you don't see represented much in uh uh whiter media so whiter media whiter media i said whiter <laughs> but also whiter so you know what the wider yes. wider media <laughs> yes exactly so yeah i thought it was fun too i there was like one other person in the theater besides us is that right no, there's two other. Oh, okay. Well, there was a woman in front of us who was just laughing her balls off, which I loved. Yep. And then there and was somebody behind us. Who I never heard laugh. Yeah. But I think this would have been so fun in a full theater. That's what I kept thinking, too. I was like, I'm sure. And I think I read somewhere. Uh, I think it was like a Letterboxd user. One of their reviews was like, see this in a full theater because the audience you know when they saw it was losing it they said so i was like yeah i think i hope it finds an audience i hope that it does well because i think that it was a ton of fun even though it is all of the well trod Mm -hmm. like familiar things it was just fun to see it from a different lens yeah and i think that it did some really clever things i wasn't all around crazy about it but i'll spoilery wise get to that later mm-hmm. but overall like i think that the that you have your group of characters and lots of them are sort of you know fitting in a particular trope or you know um what's it called when you're all the characteristic of a, like a particular oh, ar- archetype archetype yes yeah, so there's definitely your archetypes you have like your nerd and you have like your the gay one and and all this sort of thing like you have mm-hmm. a little bit of all the different archetypes but you get to know them all pretty well like i feel like i feel like there's not like a protagonist yeah no it's the whole it's group. like the group and you really yeah you do kind of learn about all of them it's like an ensemble, but they don't try to like, look, we're going to spend a lot of time with each. It's just, we spend time with all of them that we get more familiar with them. Yeah. You get enough of the, they're presented as an archetype and then they peel it back. And there's actually some more layers to just about every character. So like, but I like it for doing yes. that. And, but it doesn't feel like ever they're like, look, we're going to make this deep. Like it never yeah, does no, that. No, it never goes too deep. It definitely leans into the comedy more than anything. I would say the horror aspect, like I never jumped. I was never really scared. Yeah, the horror is more uh, like set dressing. Like it's yes. just, it's thematic rather than really part of the story. 
Yes. So like, I think all of that is a lot of fun. I like that. I think I read that it is based on like a comedy group that had a sketch and then they made it a short film and now it's a full length movie. Okay. I don't think it doesn't work as a full length movie. I think it does work. It may have felt just a little too long to, to me, even though it was only like an hour 35. Yeah. Some stuff it was, at the, it was one of those, uh, thinking of it in terms of the script i was like that could have been at times it felt like it needed to be tightened but other times it felt like it needed some more so it was like kind of like certain scenes feel like they could have been explored further uh especially towards the end i just felt like it kind of stopped abruptly and i was like i feel like there is some more that could be done here or a little bit more you know uh explored but but uh, even though I felt a, a little overlong, I think the pacing is really good. Like yeah, it definitely general, hooks itself yes. along. Yeah. And I mean, we were just talking about social horror and like one, like our last episode or the one before. And I do, I always appreciate when a movie is dealing with that to some degree, because in this sort of post get out era, like it, it, it's, it's really nice that a film can deal with, you know, a particular culture and also how the horror um genre typically deals with that type of culture mm-hmm. so like i again haven't watched they slash them but it feels like it didn't it, it wasn't like fun it's not like a fun movie which you know maybe it would have done better had it been maybe yeah. because this is successful yeah maybe if they leaned into something fun or comedic about it and not that Maybe. all social things have to be like, look, we're poking fun at it, but it can work when the tropes are so like w- well woven, like you've been there so, so many times that as they bring up here more often than not, that the black character dies first, that the black characters are just there to die. There are some like, like there's a, so they find that this group of friends are like at an Airbnb for June, Juneteenth. And they find this board game that has like a really racist sort of centerpiece, like a Jim Crow blackface sort of. Yeah. Sambo character. Yeah. Like a centerpiece thing. Uh And, and there's all this black trivia, not all horror related. Like there's a really hilarious one about friends, which I found so, so funny. That was my favorite joke. Oh, my favorite joke too. Ha. Hilarious. Especially the the punchline and all is just amazing. Um, but the first question, well, no, I'm sorry. No, it is the very first question that's asked is about black characters in a horror movie. And I just, the, the, the guy who answers it, though, his answer mm-hmm. is wrong. Spoiler alert. But I'm also like, there's no way you could, like, get that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you had see, even seen that movie, you know. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. no way. Um, but, I, but I will, wait, mild spoilers here. About I that love, question or yes, what? Yes, about that question. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I, just, I, fine I, like, I like that that's the most meta part of the movie because they like deliver the line and then they stop and kind of knowingly look at the camera breaking the fourth wall a little bit. But I like that the, that most meta moment is in reference to Scream. It's a question about Scream, you know, the most the, the greatest meta series of horror films. So it's kind of funny. Uh, I just thought that was and a little, little bit of layers there. You're getting meta while talking about a meta horror movie. <laughs> it's also funny because I immediately thought of, I think, Kevin, who was Gail's cameraman from part two, 
Mm -hmm. funnily enough based mm -hmm. on their answer who does leave because he's like i know what happens to the black guys in these movies yes and he takes off and comes back and he does live spoiler alert it's like 30 years old uh -huh. but like so that's that i thought was even more interesting because i thought he was going to say that i was mm -hmm. hoping he was going to um also the guy who played Dwayne, who i believe is the gay one correct Dwayne. yes yeah he also is one of the writers of the film oh Dwayne, okay but it's funny because his real, his like actual name in life is Dwayne Perkins with a D E and Wayne, but his character is just Dwayne without the E after the D. So just mm. Dwayne. So that's interesting. Yeah. Who was your favorite character? Dwayne. <laughs> I loved him too, but I loved Shanika, played by X Mayo, who I don't know, but I want to. Oh yeah, she, she was, was she was hilarious. Yeah, she was in the farewell, which I fucking loved. I love that movie. If you've not seen it, it is so fucking good with Aquafina. It is so touching. It is so beautiful. It's so funny. It's just fucking great. Um, so yes, I, I love that. And yeah, she was by far my favorite, but all of them. I mean, there was Antoinette Robertson who played Lisa, Sinqua Walls, I think, um, and Melvin Gregg, Grace Byers, Jermaine Fowler. There were just lots of really great performances. I, I don't think there was a weak one of the bunch. I thought that they all delivered like really great performances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's like what sold this movie is the ensemble like everyone delivered great performances uh and it and that like made it work like it, it makes sense that this was a sketch comedy thing that got developed into a movie uh because it just feels like it's a piece designed for the players in it yeah and they i feel like i know this is something they said in theater when it of shows not very good but it's like oh you all look like you were having so much fun up there but it did it felt like they were having fun yeah yeah absolutely so so I'm there for it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I love that some of my, and I mean, since this came from sketch comedy and a short film, maybe it wasn't this, but I like the idea that someone was like, ooh, what if we do a, a Juneteenth horror film? But you know what? Let's make it funny. Let's make it a commentary. Let's not try to be like, ooh, look how serious we are, which I think can be a, a failure in a movie dealing mm -hmm. with social commentary, just like they slash them. Again, I should just watch it so yeah. that I can so talk you know. about it more accurately. But I feel like everyone else is probably right about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think that it's really successful. And I mean, I know we're two white boys here talking mm -hmm. about a movie. Exactly. You know, while it's aimed at a black audience, I think it really really like it's for anyone who loves horror movies who's not a racist and so if you are a racist first of all fuck off and yeah. fuck you fuck you and you probably won't fucking like this and yeah and, and second of all don't watch this movie because you're yeah, probably not going to enjoy and it and that's fine because you suck so yeah exactly but i think if you like horror movies and if you happen to be african-american i think you you might very well like this but not necessarily you know not every movie's for everyone yeah it, it, it was just a fun time this is like I miss the days of going to the movies on weekends, like through the summer. And this was like, this felt like one of those kind of movies that was just like, what's coming out this weekend? Oh, I don't know. Let's go catch something that looks like fun. And this would have been one of those type of movies, I feel. So I miss that where it felt like every weekend you had some something interesting or something funny and to go see. A hundred percent. I'm glad it wasn't like straight to streaming 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad it is getting a theatrical release. And like I said, I hope I hope it does well. I I, I don't know that it's not going to like come in first or anything like that. But I hope I hope it does decently. Yeah, because it yeah. deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, I want more mid level stuff like this through the summer. Yeah, like it totally. doesn't all have to be superhero tentpole movies. I no want big names. Fun. No big names. Just some fun shit. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought kind of helped that it didn't have a bunch of big names. Because like I said, I didn't know who I was, like, who is my protagonist here? And I'm like, oh, it's like all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a group. And I I dug that. So let's talk a little spoilery now. So if you're planning on seeing this movie, which you should, unless you're racist. And if you're racist, I don't know why you're listening to us. Um, But let's talk a little spoilers. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I was not crazy about was the reveal. First of all, I did not like that character at all, Clifton. Mm-hmm. I just did not care for him. He just bugged me, which I know he's kind of supposed to. Yeah. But I just, I li- I liked everyone else, and I just, he just drove me nuts. Yeah. And I felt, by him. I called that, of course, like, uh, I feel totally. like it's kind of predictable. <laughs> like, if you're paying attention, you're like, oh, yep. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think that that, the reveal of, oh, he, you know, was thwarted by them a decade earlier. And so he's getting his revenge because of, you know, the fact that he reneged on a spades game, which I don't, I think I've ever played spades, but it felt very similar to Euchre, like yeah, in how they described it and like yeah. how they watching them play it. So I'm yeah. like, oh, I can kind of get behind this because I understand Euchre. Yeah. So like, I know when you screw up, like putting down the suit, like that that's trump or whatever like that you renege and it can like totally screw you over and you can yeah, like lose and, the game and it's bad and it's bad and your so, partner will hate you yes and so like i know it's a commentary on that and the fact that he wasn't black enough or whatever and then therefore that's sort of what he was posing the that question to them who is the blackest among you and they're the ones that will mm-hmm. they'll be the one who will die or whatever um I did so that that reasoning I think was sort of like taking something like you know prom night or whatever these movies where the mm-hmm. killer is revealed at the end and it's some silly explanation yeah of them getting like, bullied or whatever you were mean to me 20 yes. years ago yep I just wish it would have been something a little more clever mhm and I don't think I missed out I, like I don't think it wasn't I don't think I felt the way I felt because I'm like a white guy. Mm -hmm. I I just think it could have, that could have been a more interesting reveal. Twist, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't ruin the movie whatsoever. I also appreciate that the majority of our characters lived. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And we're pretty competent at surviving. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No matter whether they were... You know, all fucked up on Molly or Adderall or whatever. They were still mm-hmm. kicking some ass from time to time. Yeah, and they like, still had the wherewithal to like come up with a plan and execute it. So yes, and while there were many tropes in this and many things that are in other horror films, there was never the killer popping back to life. That never happened, mm-hmm. which surprised the fuck out of me. Yeah, me too. And I was like, oh yeah, but that's not the world they were really building with this movie, too. Yeah. So like, I feel like it's still true to itself. And really, it was the women who kicked the most ass in this yes. movie. And I loved that. Yeah, that was fun. 
And I think my favorite bit, although I thought it was going to play out a little differently, was the like them looking at each other and being able to read each other's minds. Yeah. I thought it was just going to happen between the two girls, and I knew it was going to come back into play later. But then it didn't come back into play with the same characters that initially happened with. Yes, and it, yeah, and, and they and play it was with it. funny though. Yeah, how and it they, happened at the end. They turned it into a fun gag. Yeah. But but yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. And I, I mean, of course, I always appreciate when there's a gay character and I appreciate that he didn't die. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It was just all the characters were fun, really, for the most part. Yeah. I found it just to be a good time at the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about it? No, that's really it. It was just I, I didn't know what to make of it when the trailers came out. Uh, that we kept seeing where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be like, is this trying to be like scary movie kind of funny uh, comedy or is it doing something, you know, pulled back from that uh, and uh, seeing it, I was like, ah, oh, this is what they're doing with it. This is cool. And we I don't know if we saw all the trailers, but all the trailers we did see were all for very broad comedies. Yes. We didn't see a horror movie trailer at all. Yeah. So I think that speaks to what the movie i yeah know, what they're what doing is. with this yeah, yeah. absolutely yep, yeah it was all just like here's all the comedies that are coming out so yeah. yeah yeah well cool well shall we go ahead and give a rating let's do it all right well out of five what crossbows yeah out of five crossbows uh you know no even better out of five crossbow bolts into the same wound Mm, good yes uh what did he say it's just it's one hole i got shot twice <laughs> in the same hole. uh but anyway i'm gonna give it uh three and a half i'm gonna give it a four awesome yeah still a solid scare of approval scare of approval yeah buddy yeah yeah we love this the scare is, of approval we do we love doing it go to the movies guys it's just fun yeah, it's fun. Go and support this film on Juneteenth weekend. Yeah. Yeah, do it, please. And yeah, come back and hang out with us later. We would love for you to come back next week or whenever. And of course, write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Yeah, or go back in time and listen to us in the past <laughs> from old episodes. Uh, yeah, and remember... The power of Christ compels you. Watch the skies. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing, my people. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.